Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to Money Making Conversations. It's the show that shares the secrets of success experienced firsthand by marketing and branding expert Rashawn McDonald. I will know. He's given me advice on many occasions, and in case you didn't notice, I'm not broke. You know he'll be interviewing celebrity CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. It's what he likes to do. It's what he likes to share. Now it's time to hear from my man, Rashawn McDonald. Money Making Conversations. Here we go. Welcome to Money Making Conversation Masterclass. I am your host, Rashawn McDonald. I recognize that we all have different definitions of success. For you, it may be the size of your paycheck. Mine is inspiring people to accomplish their goals and live their very best life. The very best life may be different for a lot of you guys out there. It's time to stop reading other people's success stories, really, and start writing your own. People mm-hmm. always talk about their purpose or their gift, uh, jumping out on faith without a plan. Well, if you have a gift, leave with that gift and don't let your friends, family, or coworkers stop you from planning or living your dream. My guest is Judge Faith Jenkins. She's an attorney, arbitrator, author, and Emmy-nominated host of Divorce Court. That's where you know her. That face looks familiar. That voice sounds familiar. That is her. Had the good fortune of meeting her several years ago with my good friend, attorney, civil rights attorney, Benjamin Crump introduced to me and uh, you know, relationship formed there and I've been watching her from afar, just admiring her rise in this industry. She's on the longest running TV court show. She's also has a new crime series, Killer Relationship with Faith Jenkins. I'm telling you, I love those type of shows. It airs on oxygen. The series takes a deep dive into heart-stopping evil stories of love gone horribly bad. Faith provides unparalleled insight to into every case where a breakup means one thing. Someone's going to die. We're going to talk about her career and both those shows, but let me tell you why she really own money making conversation masterclass. I also want to talk about her relationship book, Sis Don't Settle, how to stay smart in matters of the heart. It's an arsenal of love, wisdom, and advice for women on how to play it smart in the dating and relationship game. Please work with the money making conversation masterclass, Judge Faith Jenkins. How you doing, Judge? Hi, Rashawn. How are you? Thank you so much for welcoming. That was an amazing introduction. I'm so well, you happy got a lot going on. Yeah, good to see you again. On. And I know that, you know, we, we started in this business, you know, just trying to get in. And then they, it's, too, it's kind of interesting. You, you, you fight to get in, then you have to fight to stay. 
And and then you want to you want to stay with options. I see you starting to diversify. Like I said, we mentioned oxygen. That showed that you're doing a killer relationship with with branding your name, attaching your name. It's not just killer relationship. It's selling your name as well and this new book. But let's go back to the first really big opportunity that came your way was Divorce Court. How did that come about and how did that change your perspective on what you wanted to do with your career? Because this is entertainment. Well, what what happened is I was in New York working as a prosecutor mm-hmm. for uh, about eight years. I've been working in New York. I started a big law firm. Then I moved to work for the government. And after I left the prosecutor's office, I got a call to be on television just to talk about a high profile case and give my legal opinion on the case. Right. And then the George Zimmerman trial happened. Right. And I was called to opine on the George Zimmerman trial every day of the case. And I would be on Fox News, MSNBC, and CNN all in the same day. That's uh-huh. how I met your, your friend, Ben, ben Crump, during uh-huh. that time period. Uh-huh. So after that, someone, when, when uh, Hank Cohen tells this story, he's the executive producer of my very first court show. He said he saw me on one night with Al Sharpton. And the next night I was on with Bill O'Reilly and he said, if she can handle those two audiences, she has broad appeal. She can probably be on TV to do anything. And so that's when I got my first step branching out doing court television. Well, it's interesting you say that because some people say I would never do this type of show because there are extremes there. You know, you have that conservative Fox audience and you have that, uh, you know, liberal left side of the wing of the uh, of the uh, MSNBC audience. Why Mm -hmm. did you choose not to take a side? Well, my job was to provide legal analysis and give my objective opinion on the case. And so that opinion didn't change with the differences in the audience's political opinions. Mm -hmm. So I I wasn't a political commentator. And even at some point, they asked me to start giving political commentary. And I decided not to because my job was to be a legal analyst. That is my dog. So I decided to, that was my decision. I knew what my area of expertise was, Mm -hmm. and that was to give legal commentary. And so I just decided to stay true to what I was really there to do and be an expert on. That was stay in your lane and grow your brand. So was it in the mindset? Because like I said, you were prosecuted. So did Mm -hmm. television dropped into your lap? Was Was that a lane that you was thinking about, Judge Faith? That yes. you of getting into television, and then so now you was getting these opportunities to hone your skills in these little short bursts, you know, because I know they you talk and and then you leave out how how you think I did? Or did you think I reacted? They call you back and go, okay, they calling me back. That's a good thing. So when did you feel that you had value on these on, uh, in the television game? Well, I knew it was important to add my perspective to the cases that were being discussed as a black woman, as a former prosecutor. And I know a lot of times, you know, prosecutors get a a bad rap and people talk about uh, not wanting to be in their field because they could never put people in jail. I've heard all those things. But at the same time, uh, you can't just want to be an activist. If you really want to see uh, and, and change, you have to be a part of it. And you have to have a seat at the table. Right. The prosecutor's job is a very powerful job. A lot of times, it what would happen with someone's case would literally depend on who got their case. So if I got a case and I would look at that case and it was a young you know, person from Harlem, which is where I was living at the time, 
I would have a different perspective than a lot of my colleagues across the hall from me who would, who would have handled that case differently. So it was very important for me to add my perspective right. and bring my experience and my background to that job. And I had one job only, and that was to do justice in my cases, to do what, what I believe was right. So when it came time to calling on me for television, they were looking for people like me right. who could add a different perspective and opinion when giving analysis on these cases. Okay, all you know, the the world of tell the world of the, the the media we live in is social media. Okay, and social media tends to have an opinion and troll you, good or bad. So when you bouncing, because you start to develop your career, you know your social media is starting to grow and. People starting to add comments. Did you have any negative or, or, or feedback on playing these different sides on your on your social media feeds? And how did you handle that? Yes. And but I developed a thick skin pretty early on, Rashawn. I, I started doing pageants down in the south in Louisiana right, right, right. when I was 22 years old. Right, right. Mm -hmm. So uh, I was used to a certain level of just criticism in general. And I mm -hmm. think that anytime you're in the public eye, mm -hmm. no matter what you're doing, you are going to get some type of uh, criticism. Right. So what you have to learn really early on, and as you, I'm sure you are aware as well, being in front of the camera, you just have to develop thick skin. Right. If you believe in what you're doing and mm -hmm. you believe in the message, you know, they say new levels, new devils. Right, <laughs> right, the right. higher your visibility, the more you're going to have people who criticize you, the more you're going to have people who like you. But you can never allow your self-esteem and how you feel about yourself to be built up on people's compliments or being torn down by their criticism. You have to know who you are, especially when, when you're in, in the business that we're in and be confident and that you're presenting your best self to the world, no matter what people are saying. Absolutely. Uh, here's something interesting. I, we, you know, we're going to get to the divorce court. I want to slide over to the forensic world of killer relationships. And mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you something. I get up at four 30, I go downstairs when I'm working out doing my stretches, you know, forensic file. That's, I am a junkie for forensic file type shows. And so it comes on a, every half hour and I'm working out and, and last, I know the last two minutes, they're going to give the verdict and what happened to that person. So mm -hmm. what, because I guess you're, you're talking to, asking a question for a person like me. Is it kind of like addictive television? What attracted you to the project Killer Relationships? And what do they say, the type of people who watch these type of shows? True crime. For some reason, I too am really fascinated by the, the genre. And I think there's something about the good versus evil. Right. And there's also something about getting to the bottom of what happened and telling the story. And everyone wants to know the answer to one question. And that is why. Right. So we really get caught up in, in those stories because they are real. I start. I branched out. I started my own production company, and this is the first show that I've created that I'm executive producing. Mm -hmm. I did it because I believe that there should be a diversity of voices in storytelling, and I wanted to add my name and my perspective to this genre. So this is the first show from my production company. I think that with these types of shows, not only is it fascinating to watch and learn, but it's also, it could be a learning tool because you're looking at all kinds of red flags. For this show in particular, I wanted to pull from two worlds that I was in. 
the reward of relationships, right. which I started very early on in my career, appearing in family court in New York, and the world of the criminal investigations. I'm a trained investigator. That's what I learned to do mm -hmm. as a prosecutor mm -hmm. and have this show because relationships is something that we can all relate to. We all have them, whether it's a love relationship, a family relationship, a friendship. And so I wanted to dig into the world of relationships and how those relationships start out, how they turn, and what makes someone commit such an extreme act in the end. Right. And now, it's because when I and you're absolutely right. I always tell my, my wife, I go, you know, if something was to happen to you, then they would just look at my record. They say, well, he watches forensic file. He, this guy's a plotter. You know, I, I believe me, my DNA is set up that if something bad happened to her, I'm going to jail. Uh, I'm, well, in, I'm in, because my, my track record is so bad. I'm looking at these crazy cases all the time. So they would say, he got the idea from watching forensic files or some type of show like Killer Relationships with Faith Jenkins. You like these type of shows, so you plotted her murder. You plotted her demise. And I, I, I do like them in the sense of, first of all, they're startling to me. And it's like the, uh, the word, how could that happen? Why did they do that? And I always get, I always this was the, the thing that always bothered me. You can get a divorce. You, right. can, you can get a divorce. You can actually just say, hey, I'm out. It's it's that simple. But they go to the darkest side of it all. And, and that's where the greed part comes out of it. And that's what's the selling point of killer relationship is that, they could have just walked away. They could have went through the proper channels and got a divorce, but they wanted it all, 100%. They didn't want 90, 70, definitely didn't want 50, 50. They wanted it all. Was that the, uh, is that the single thing that you saw as well in these stories you're telling? That is a big theme. And the reason you'll find that most of the individuals in these cases go to the lengths they do, there's another theme throughout the season you'll see, uh -huh. and that is everybody has a secret. Right. And it's the lengths that these people are willing to go through to keep their secrets from being revealed and exposed. Wow. Wow. Well, let's let's slide over a little bit to relationships, not divorce court. Okay. Sitting on that boat, there's a people coming in there with these with these emotional moments, and you. What what have you learned the most about that experience, and what what do you value? There's two questions. What do you learn the most, and what do you value the most about that experience? Because to me, it leads into you writing your book that we're about to talk mm -hmm. in the next next subject matter here. Yes, and Divorce Court has been an amazing experience. I hosted the show for two seasons, and this is actually my last year hosting it mm -hmm. because I am moving in a different direction with my production company. Right. Mm -hmm. But I learned a lot from hearing all of the different issues and perspectives that people brought into the courtroom. Number one, I learned that people don't, most people don't have relationship problems. They have problems they bring into their relationship. Right. A lot of the issues I heard were uh, issues that were unresolved in people's lives. And when you're bringing all of that into a relationship, a healthy relationship is not something you attract. It's something you create. And you can't create a healthy relationship if you have two unhealthy people coming together. Right. So that for me was just solidified what I knew about that. And I did my absolute best to try to enlighten a lot of the couples that came into the courtroom so that when they left the courtroom, they feel like they're leaving with something greater than when they came, even when they're going their separate ways. And I also encouraged them to most of us have been through a breakup at some point in our lives at one point or another. I encouraged them 
to um, move forward in that breakup with compassion and empathy and understanding. Of course, it's a difficult time in your life, but it doesn't mean you have to try to destroy the other person on your way out the door. So that was a really important principle for me to share as well. Absolutely. We'll be right back with more Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rashawn McDonald. Now let's return to Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rashawn McDonald. A killer relationship with Faith Jenkins is on the Oxygen channel. Then we go to the book. Yes. I printed out as much as I could here, and I highlighted as much as I could because I know I don't have. Yeah, I sent you a that paper much. copy. I wanted to send you a hard I'm copy. Firm, I'm good, girl. I'm good. I got it on my app. Okay, the, the, okay. my net gallery app. I got it. I'm rocking and rolling here. Now, okay. uh, sis, don't settle. I have six sisters, and you know, married, divorced, uh, some you know relationships. I thought, why are you messing with this person? You as a as a female, and then and I'm, and I'm also looking at divorce court. I'm putting that in my mind when I'm reading it. I'm saying you you getting to see this all the time. With Steve Harvey, is his strawberry letter. I I felt mm-hmm. divorce court was your strawberry letter, you know, for for this book, you know, because you get to see it and you make these crafty, smart decisions with these people, and you get to see how they interact. And when he did Steve Harvey did strawberry letter for five days a week, he was responding to emotional letters that allowed mm-hmm. him to craft his mindset. How did you craft your mindset? Was it divorce court? Was it girlfriends? It was just past relationships. What started this whole cisto selling need to put it on paper? Mm-hmm. And this, the second part of that title really says it all, how to stay smart in mm-hmm. matters of the heart. Mm-hmm. That's what I wanted to write about. It actually started prior to me doing television when right. I started working in family court in New York. Mm-hmm. My first court appearances were in family court in New York, handling divorces, child custody, uh, 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 child um, um, child support yes. mm-hmm. uh, cases. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I was also living my own life as a single woman in right. New York City. Mm-hmm. So I didn't get married until after I turned 40 years old. Mm-hmm. And what happened is I had this career that everyone around me deemed was so successful, but people started asking me why I wasn't married, why I was still single, when I was going to settle down, all of these questions. And I didn't think being single was something I needed to explain or defend. That was just my journey at the time. There are lessons that I needed to learn. I needed to learn a lot about relationships because I didn't have this huge standard of what love looked like in my life growing up. People talk about relationships being a science and dating is an art. I knew none of it. (laughs) And we prepare just like you prepare for your show. I prepare when I was in law school for exams, we prepare for everything in life that we want to be successful for. But a lot of us don't prepare for relationships. Why is that? So I started learning to prepare myself for the relationship that I wanted and what that looked like and what that meant for me. And I pulled from all of the experiences that I had with with women in family court, with women in divorce court, my own personal life and dating experiences. And I combined those to put them in the book. Because I got married after I turned 40, I had a lot of dating experiences. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of lessons that I learned the hard way. But the moral of the story is I met my husband. He's an amazing man. I'm happily married now. If I would have waited to live my best life, 
after, because I was waiting on a partner, I would have spent half of my adult life just existing and not really living. Right. Well, you know, it's interesting because uh, you got your own production company. I see a TV show about this book now, you know, it's about, <laughs> especially that post 40, because see, you talk about Allie McBeal, you know, like they made a big deal when she turns 30, you know, yes. like, what are you doing? And they, so, so as soon as you start talking about that, I went to that section of the book, you know, and then because we, we are hit with deadlines. You know, you're supposed to graduate from high school 18. At 22, you're supposed to be out of college. You know, 30, 29, 30, where's your man? Where's your child? Where's your career? So you're hit with all these markers in life. And basically, that's what you, you're just taking those same markers and applying it to emotion and not being swayed by what other people say you should be doing or think you should be doing. Is that correct? That is correct. These are arbitrary timelines. Who decides? Right. We're, we're not running a race in life because we're not all running in the same direction. So it can't be a race. Right. There are, are uh, almost 8 billion people on this planet. We can't all be doing the same things at the same time. And so a part of this book is encouraging people to embrace their own personal journey and ignore the noise mm -hmm. because guess what the questions don't stop as soon as you get married they start asking you well when you're going to have kids right you have one child they start asking when you're going to have another one right. so that's why you have to decide early on that you're going to live your best life right where you are and embrace your journey and it is okay if your journey includes your personal choice not to marry not to have children right. and no one else. You can't let anybody else put that kind of pressure on you to make a decision because they believe in an arbitrary timeline that you don't. Right. It was, it was, it was, you know, always some chapters stick out for me, you know, and I had to go to wait for sex, but let me explain that chapter right there because everybody feels a pressure to, to, uh, that's part of the, uh, the relationship. Why was that an important part? You know, I know why, but I'd, I'd like for you to tell my listeners and my viewers when you say wait for sex. I know it's referencing a woman, but also shouldn't that be said to a guy too to stop putting that unnecessary pressure on a woman that's part of her role in a relationship that she has to have sex with him? Well, one thing about the book is, although it's called Sis Don't Settle, I yeah. really wrote it and talked about universal truths right. and standards for love mm -hmm. for anyone to read. And I've had several guys come to me and say they've, they've enjoyed a, many aspects of the book. That was an important chapter because it really is about what are your goals for love in your life? What is right. it that you really want to right. accomplish? I say in the very beginning of my book, this book is not for everyone. If you're looking to just have a, a, a sex buddy that you can hook up with from time to time and that's your goal, then this, this is really probably not the book for you. Right. If you're trying to lock down, you know, Booker from the barbershop who you see <laughs> you know, once a month, mm -hmm. this is probably not the read for you. This book was, is really about people who are on this journey to attract that authentic, uh, long-term love and partnership in marriage if that's what they want. So that part, when I got to that part about waiting for intimacy in a relationship, it really is about establishing a foundation with someone and establishing boundaries in your relationship and getting to know a person and what they're really looking for. And establishing boundaries should not scare off a person who is ready, willing, and able for authentic love. You know, the, uh, the, you know I, I want to tell you, first of all, I enjoyed the book. I enjoyed the book because of the fact that 
That's why I brought that thing about the guy, you know, like I said, because so a lot of people read a book and they see you on it. Oh, uh, oh she's just man bashing, you know, not at you know, all. and that's not at all. And I want to make sure I said that. But that's what I was just saying is that when you said wait for sex, and that should be both ways, because men, I'm, I'm a man. We feel can put that undue pressure that, okay, this part of the, you know, this part of the dinner, this part of the date, this part of the, it's a week. You know, we're supposed to be doing something other than just talking. And that's mm-hmm. pressure instead of getting to know the person. So it's also in your book, you kind of like set aside defining what that relationship is so they can understand what you want out of it. Because a lot of women don't set those, I guess I won't say rules, but this is how, what I want. Mm-hmm. Are you willing to be? Is, is am I correct in assuming that's that's the that is the correct approach? Correct. A big part of it is communicating. Yes, and knowing who you are and knowing where you are at this point in your life and being honest mm-hmm. about that. Mm-hmm. If you're not looking, if someone tells you that they're just looking for a casual relationship, they're not looking for marriage, then we got to stop trying to convince people to change their mind. Mm-hmm. That, that's not our job. Accept people when they tell you what their goals are, when they tell you where they are right now in their life path, accept it. So if that's not where you are, then it's time for you to pivot and go in another direction. So that's what I talk about in the book. When you talk about open and honest communication, when someone tells you, believe them and and then decide you, you can go in a different direction if you're not on the same life path at that point. Well, you know, I talk about in my opening, I always talk about don't let your friends, family, or coworkers stop you from planning or living your dreams. That's what your book is about. You know, don't let people tell you that you're 30, you, you're out of the game, you're 40, you're out of the game, or that, you know, that you can't get reclaimed. But I think the book, what I got the most out of your book, you know, Sis Don't Settle, How to Stay, How to Stay Smart in the Matters of the Heart, was that the decisions you make are, should be the decisions that justify your path. Like you said, you got married in 40, in the age of 40, and people will... People inundate you're attractive, you're successful. Then they put that old thing, what's the problem? And then they'll start making like you the problem. And so so this book tells you, stop all that madness. I am not the problem. I have control of my life. And I will meet the right person that understands who I am as a person. That really was was singing out and really was the, the champion message that I took away from chapter after chapter that, you know, women, especially in this day and age with social media, with you being able to crack the glass ceiling, being able to, women are the fastest, especially black women, the fastest growing. And I'm going to tell you, by the way, this book is not written for black women, white women, it's women for women. So this is not a racial book. This is a book that allows you to see that we all women have to deal with the same issues. We all need to be able to cultivate the same understanding that we can be successful. And reading this book, Sis Don't Settle, How to Stay Smart in the Matters of the Heart, allows you that journey. That is what my takeaway was. And I and I wanted to bring you on the show. I know we, go, we talked about the divorce court and, you know, killer relationship, but I just had to, and I want to support this book. I want to put, put the, you know, the part of, snippets of this interview on my social media just to drive traffic and let people know this is a book that that's a must read. Uh, uh, it's, it's a it's a quality read, and and you will take away Thank nuggets you. that I think that will make you honestly feel not so uh, disappointed in your life or alone in your experiences. Right, right. And 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 that's why I wrote it. Everything you said is why I wrote it because this is something that I would have wanted to read 
as a single person, as a person who wanted to learn more about relationships, because we're always trying to educate ourselves. That's why we read. That's why we listen to podcasts. That's why we watch shows like yours, because we are trying to educate ourselves so that when we move forward, we can make better decisions. When you know better, you do better. So that's why I, I wrote about this book. I want people to use it as a practical guide to attract the kind of relationship they really want and deserve in their life. Yeah. She's an incredible legal mind. You know, as the host of Divorce Court, she's a she has her own production company. So now she's producing television shows, Killer Relationship with Face Jenkins. Now she's an incredible author. Her book, Relationship Book, Sis Don't Settle, How to Stay Smart in the Matters of the Heart. Guys, pick it up. It's a must read for you too because we all need to know how they thinking. Oh, they thinking too. Okay. And if you understand how they think, you could probably get the right mate in your life. Faith Jenkins, thank you for coming. Oh, excuse me, Judge Faith Jenkins, thanks for coming on my show. Okay. Thank you, Rashawn. It's great to see you again. And I will support this. I'm telling you, I will. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye bye. Good to if, see you, you. if you want to hear, see any interviews of money on my any of my interviews on Money Making Conversation Masterclass, please go to moneymakingconversation.com. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I am your host. Thank you. We'll be right back with more Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rashawn McDonald. You are now tuned into the Money Making Conversations Minute of Inspiration with Rashawn McDonald. Hi, I'm Rashawn McDonald from Money Making Conversations Masterclass with your daily minute of inspiration. I sat down with the founder of the Lip Bar, Melissa Butler. She shared the importance of HBCUs and how attending one changed her life. FAMU changed my life. Before I got to FAMU, I didn't know how culturally diverse Black people are. I didn't know what made us special. And like, you know, when you grow up, you always hear that, you know, we have to work twice as hard. Right. And I think at an institution like FAMU and like other HBCUs, you know, you're surrounded by Black excellence. So it, it doesn't become something that, that you have to strive for. It becomes your default. FAMU taught me how to make excellence my default, and it taught me how to have this cry in the diversity of Black people. You can listen to this full interview with Melissa Butler. It's available on MoneyMakingConversations.com. Now let's return to Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rashawn McDonald. Please welcome to Money Making Conversations Masterclass, the franchise owner of a nothing bunt cake location, Charlie Shabazz. How you doing, Charlie? I'm wonderful. How are you, Rashawn? Great, great. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, first of all, let's talk about the relationship. Uh, you know, in my business, somebody had... Um, uh, a delivery? G- gifted me. Yes, they uh, did. Uh, your, your product. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I was... Happy, because <laughs> if anybody knows they follow me, they know I love sweets. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I immediately invited you because I asked you. I said, because you know I'm gonna be honest with you. I I stereotyped. Her. I thought she was just a delivery person. She said, no, I am the owner of this location. Mm-hmm. I went, wow. <laughs> and uh, and I said, can you come on my show? Mm-hmm. And we've been going back and forth because mm-hmm. your schedule's been busy. Yeah, yes, it has. And finally, uh, you're able to come on my show in yes. Black History Month. Yes, which is proud. yes, yes. It's proud. It and then talk about what you do. Let's talk about before you made this decision, Charlie. To be a franchisee. So a little I'm, background. I'm a CPA. Mm-hmm. So um, I've been in accounting my whole life. Always knew I wanted to be an accountant. I'm mm-hmm. um, from Philadelphia. I went to Temple University for my undergrad in accounting. Mm-hmm. Had a taxation class and I, did, I was like, I want to do taxes. Wow. So I went and got my master's in taxation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, that's what I did. So I, I was a tax accountant for most of my life. And I thought I would do that for the rest of my life. I'm going to tell you something. I am afraid to do tax. I have a degree in mathematics. <laughs> you cannot. I, even the easy form, I get nervous. <laughs> that, I, I swear to you, I I will go to 
H and R, whatever, whatever about that on tax, I would take it easy for him. Okay, you know, you just do it. It's on you. It's on you. So for you, I am like bowing down to you to say because you're confidently saying this taxes. That's what I do. I do taxes, taxes. When you look at the guy, and I'm, I'm, I'm people tell me I'm pretty smart. And my degree, you know, I, I, I I'm make sure these lists. But I, I, I swear to you, I will not do my taxes. I've never ever done my taxes because they intimidate me. Yeah. They intimidate the whole process of making a mistake yeah. intimidates me. Yeah. And so, but so that means that you have to be a confident person, then, right? Yeah. You know. Um, the law changes often, so you're always doing your um, continuing education credits and understanding the new laws. And, you know, once you it, don't get me wrong, I started out as a personal tax return preparer. Right. And mm-hmm. when I moved to Atlanta, I decided I want to be a business tax return preparer. And I was totally intimidated by that. OK. Um, but I Googled a CPA. Mm hmm. I called her. I told her, listen, I want to work for free. Mm-hmm. I don't know business taxes. Can I please come to your office and you teach me and I learn for free, just free, mm-hmm. free, 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 free. Right, right. Uh, so she said, uh, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So because <laughs> so, she asked for your resume and she saw, yes, I'm going to get this person, this skill set, Temple graduate yep, yep. for free, yep. knowing what your ultimate goal was. Exactly. So mm-hmm. she um, a huge um, mentor for me. And so I learned business taxes and then I had a corporate job. That's how I moved to Atlanta um, mm-hmm. from Philly. Um, large bank made me an offer mm-hmm. that I couldn't refuse. <laughs> so I packed up, you know, my little Jeep and I moved to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, found an apartment three days later in, in Tucker. Uh-huh. So Tucker has been where I've moved to first. Mm-hmm. Had my first home, had my first job, and now the bakery's in Tucker. So I have mm-hmm. a deep roots with Tucker. Yeah, Tucker, Georgia, because it's syndicated nationally. Yes, it's Tucker, yes, Georgia. Tucker, it's Georgia. outside of Atlanta, Georgia. Awesome. Yes, mm-hmm. it is. Now, let's let's talk about that, the differences, you know, because uh, we always talk about fear on this show. Mm-hmm. You know, we, you, you you moved, mm-hmm. you know, you are, are female, you know, transitioning from mm-hmm. uh, another major market to another major market mm-hmm. but it is northeast and not to south mm-hmm. were there any what were the fears in making that move that decision to come to atlanta because there were some there were a lot of fears um but i was done with philly you know i needed a change so mm-hmm. i ai might be the most important new computer technology ever it's storming every industry and literally billions of dollars are being invested so buckle up the problem is that ai needs a lot of speed and processing power So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. 
Hey, everybody, welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation, I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And I left it open to where the, the job opportunity took me. So D.C., California, they were all options, Texas. Mm-hmm. So when the door opened to Atlanta, I was like, well, this is where I need to be. Mm-hmm. So I came confidently with fears of what if I don't do well at this job? What if, you know, what if, what if, what if? But I was right. like, I could always go back to Philly. You know, <laughs> all my family's in Philly. So, the, you know, that's um, always was a, a fallback plan mm-hmm. if it had to be, but never look back. I remember when I left IBM to pursue a stand-up career. And uh, I left on great terms. In fact, I, I tell people on the show, I, I was in tears when I made that decision a year in advance because it was such an emotional decision. Like, even though that I knew working for IBM was not my future. Mm-hmm. It just didn't, it didn't excite me. I felt, I saw myself being blocked in creatively. And okay. I went, okay, this is not me. And so, because they had a successful model and they wanted people to grow in that model and I wanted to do things outside of that model and I went, nah, this is not me. But I know for about a year, I kept thinking I can always go back. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and then finally I, I said, stop. Mm-hmm. Stop mm-hmm. stop that theory. Take that the you security can, blanket yeah, away. Yeah. and yeah, Stop that it. theory that you can go back because mm-hmm. that's not why you left. Mm-hmm. You left to pursue your dreams. Mm-hmm. And that's right. That's key right there. You left. Philadelphia to pursue your dreams and in doing so you had to take away that that thought process when did you take away that thought process that I had that you could always go back well to make it even more you know I took a temp position at this bank (laughs) I didn't even have a signed contract I took a temp job and Mm -hmm. took a leap on faith Mm -hmm. so once I proved myself because I was confident I was like I can do the work right I got a full-time contract found my apartment mm-hmm. started building my network of friends and I was like I'm this is my home now mm-hmm. you know and so so you you, you, you did free work mm-hmm. we're gonna come back after this break because mm-hmm. you got a lot to talk about mm-hmm. we ain't even talk about nothing, nothing <laughs> but in case yet. her story is so interesting but you're the perfect guest for the show because I want people to hear how it, it seems simple it seems difficult mm-hmm. but fear drives so many people from uh, reaching their their ultimate dream and mm-hmm. that is Walking away, mm-hmm. you know. I I know that my I've walked away from a lot of levels. So there's a lot of people who said, "Rishan, you always seen." And people have called me a Renaissance man. Mm-hmm. And I, sometimes I don't know what that means, but when they look at my resume, they go, "You did this, you did this, you did this, mm-hmm. and you've been good at all these things." And I say because everything that I've, I do or have done in my life, I wanted to do it. How you doing, Victoria? You're calling in on Money Making Conversation Master pl- Master Class, and you're speaking to me and Charlie Shabazz. What what can I? What are you talking about? What question can we ask? Help you with? Good evening. Good evening. How are you? Awesome. Wonderful. Good. Good. Um, okay. So um, I was just listening, and uh, I just want to commend you um, for taking the chance 
from moving from the Northeast and then uh, coming to Atlanta and all that. Um, was there ever a time in your life where you didn't have it all together like me <laughs> and like you, you couldn't hold on to money and it would just liquidate and Victoria, I'm a CPA, right? I'm an accountant. I take care of everybody's money. However, mm-hmm. Georgia power had me no lights one day when I came home. Okay. So, you know, Rashawn was talking about saving and how you wish you could, you know, save and put things away. It was so easy for me to tell my clients, yes, you need to save. You need to put 10% here. You need to do the, you know, but just keeping it real. It's hard to implement those things when you financially aren't where you want to be. So absolutely. Mm-hmm. The struggle was absolutely real. And um, I just think the key to it was just staying in my lane. You know, a lot of my friends would say, oh, we're going out, we're going out. Nope, not me, not tonight. You know, you know, you have to sacrifice um, a lot of mm-hmm. things in order to get to where you need to be. So like Rashawn said, if you don't have a plan, you can't, you know, I had a spreadsheet that I opened up every morning when I was in corporate America and it was my debt. I had all my credit mm-hmm. cards on the spreadsheet. I had a payment breakdown on how I was going to get each balance to zero. And I was committed to the $200 here, the $250 here, the $150 here. The saying, oh, I got a zero balance on my Discover card. Hmm, let me use that $10,000 from there, pay down my MasterCard, and then I got zero mm-hmm. interest on the bank. You know, it was just maneuvering mm-hmm. and figuring out, but having the plan and being committed to the plan. And that's how I was able to get myself out of that credit card debt that is inevitable when you don't come from money and you have an undergrad degree, you have a master's degree, you know, you move and you're by yourself. You don't really have that family support system. So, no, it was absolutely real. And I just had to sacrifice. Victoria, did she help you out with that answer? Yes. We good. Well, my, my whole thing. Uh-huh. Answer. How would I how would I be able to um, uh, be a part of the franchise of uh, are you just are you saying that nothing but cakes is offering franchise opportunities? Absolutely. Um, You know, I speak to a lot of uh, potential new franchisees and a lot of them are very intentional. I want to open a nothing but cakes. That was not my story, Victoria. Nothing Bunt Cakes was not necessarily the plan. The plan was to open a bakery in Tucker in this new plaza that needed a bakery. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'm going to bring a bakery to Tucker. We don't have a bakery. I had a client that had a different um, bakery franchise. So it was initially going to be something else. And when that didn't work, the landlord is looking at me. He's like, hey, Charlie, where's that bakery you're bringing? And I'm scrambling, you know, like, oh, Jesus, I'm Googling bakery franchise you know other things popped up and then it morphed into nothing bunt cake so i would say the plan was to have a side business but sometimes you have to have to open it up just a little bit and be receptive to the pivots and the changes and saying okay i thought it was going to be this but this is coming full circle for me so let me embrace this and make this work 
What's the definition of a franchise? I'm sorry. I no. What's the definition of a franchise? <laughs> Victoria, listen. That's question number three here, Victoria. <laughs> that's your last question, <laughs> Victoria. Would you not? How did you know, Victoria? You're the NPR? But you ain't hijacking my show. Right? You can start your own I'm show on, uh, online. I would, I would say a great movie to find on Netflix <laughs> is um, The Founder, I believe it's called, yes. with, mm-hmm. uh, with McDonald's. Yes. So it takes you through the whole franchise like mm-hmm. life. So basically, Victoria, two women <laughs> came together. 20 plus years ago, they had a great bunt cake and great frosting, right? Mm-hmm. They said, listen, let's open mm-hmm. up a little bakery. Let's have a store. You have a business. It does well. Mm-hmm. You create um, a cookie cut type of thing. You know, you master the recipes and it's like, can I give mm-hmm, somebody mm-hmm. this and can they do it without my expertise? And once you prove the concept and if you watch shark tank <laughs> a couple episodes mm-hmm. you'll learn all this once you prove that the concept can be done by anyone mm-hmm. anywhere that's the birth of franchising right so okay mm-hmm. so they said look we have the recipe we have everything we you know worked out the kinks we know how many people you should hire we know you know what locations are do well with this and they kind of mapped it out they give you the blueprint so you take the blueprint. Okay. Well, you buy the blueprint. Let's right, be right. clear. You buy the blueprint, Victoria. Well, let me tell you something. I've been baking since I was 10 years old. Yes, Victoria. I make really good. I'm sorry. Look, look, look. look. I want to do this. I'm serious. Well, Victoria, I'm not, I'm not denying that. Victoria, first of all, that's what this show was designed, Money Making Conversation Masterclass, was to get the community excited about speaking to people like Charlie because they do exist. They do exist, and they, are, they do have a... Uh, 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 stories and her story has gravitated you and hopefully motivates you to be a star, a yes. star. Like she said, a bakery, you know, like I said, I'm an award winning baker and I, and I have no desire to open a bakery, but you go to my timeline, you think I <laughs> bake and the people say, well, why aren't you 400 pounds? Dude? Every time I look, you're eating something. And, but, but it's the passion. I hear the passion in your voice. Mm-hmm. I think what she's saying right now is that what is the plan? You know, what is the plan? And she speaks to people all the time. And so, no, your question, I tease you about asking questions. Your curiosity is incredible. Mm-hmm. But now it has to be Thank put you. on paper. Mm-hmm. And once you put it on paper, then the, 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 the emotional pushback happens. You know, mm-hmm. how do you make that dream happen? And that's really where it all starts. You know, whether you want to be a singer, whether you want to go to college, there are always dreams. But there are when you start creating application to that dream, that's when the struggle happens. And when that struggle happens, how do you react to it? What is your plan to push back on it? Because we all have rainy days. Mm-hmm. We have rainy days in relationships. Mm-hmm. We have rainy days on job. And that word rainy day doesn't necessarily mean rain. It just means difficulties. It means when it's supposed to be sunshiny, it's, it's gloomy. Mm-hmm. And well, how do you react doing gloom? And so this show, Money Making Conversation Masterclass, that you're listening to and Charlie's doing an amazing, you know, me, I should be worried about her. You know, she's yeah. just brilliant <laughs> sitting over here uh, just responding so confidently and casually to these questions. And to have a guest like that, she's in studio. She came in here. She brought in some of her samples. It's to show confidence. And uh, I just want to thank you for calling in and uh, leave your number and your zip and your uh, email address so we can reach out to you. Okay, Victoria? Because we really want, want to continue that conversation. Plus, I want to send you one of my uh, Money Making Conversation guys to success. All right? Thank you so much. And I, I go to sleep with, with um, this station on. Like, it's always on in my room, and I really find refuge in it. So thank you so much. Thank uh, you, Victoria. Make sure you leave that information for me. Thank you, Miss Charlie. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> See, Miss Charlie, she's getting a little bread sitting up in here. 
We'll be right back with more Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rashawn McDonald. Now let's return to Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rashawn McDonald. We know the thing about it now, you, you, you said you were going in there. Well, I know we're about to wrap this break up in a few minutes mm-hmm. here, but I want to ask you a couple of questions before mm-hmm. we get there. You were going in there to open a bakery. Mm-hmm. As so, a side business. As a side business. Mm-hmm. So you should say it like that. Okay, cool. So let me get to history here now. Temple, mm-hmm. okay, accounting, mm-hmm. CPA. Mm-hmm. Where did the baking skills? It's, there were none. There were none? Mm-mm. Okay. Yeah. I used to just cut the cookie roll, you know, right. like spray the pan and like just put the little blob of chocolate chip dough on it, stick it in the oven. Yeah, that was the extent of my baking skills. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so if someone said seven years ago, you're going to own a bakery, I would say, wow, interesting, because I don't bake. Right, right, you know? right. So, so, so you, in Tucker, Georgia, mm-hmm. you, you, but you're in a visionary because mm-hmm. you feel that you want to feel a need. Mm-hmm. Okay, so talk, walk us through that step of going to the, um, the landlord. Yep. Telling them what you're going to do because yep. you have to have a plan. Yep. And the first plan wasn't a nothing but case. Nope. Talk about that. Okay, so the plaza was coming. Great location in Tucker. I need to be a part of it. I'm driving by every day going to my corporate job. So one day I took a right and I found, you know, a sign, wrote down the number, called them. Hey, I have an idea for a bakery. Do you have any space available? Absolutely. How much space do you need? I'm just talking him up, you know, mm-hmm. kind of faking it till I made it. And so I was kind of on the hook. Right. To bring a bakery. <laughs> so that is when the wheel started spinning. And I was like, uh-oh, that fell through. What else can I do? Uh-oh, mm. I was committed to bringing the bakery. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what, okay, you opened in 2017. Yes. When did you start this This dream? process? Late 15. Mm-hmm. Late 15, we started communicating with the landlord. Mm-hmm. I'm at dinner one night. And I had nothing bunt cakes in California at a cousin's birthday dinner. Mm-hmm. And it was the best cake I ever Absolutely. had. And I thought, wow, I got to come back to L.A. to get this cake, you know. The moist. Oh, yeah. It's moist. The cream mm-hmm. cheese, you know. So I had it, tasted it. I just didn't know it was a franchise. I didn't know there was one here in Georgia. I didn't know any of that until someone mentioned it again. And I said, oh, let me Google Google nothing bunch cake franchise boom came up. Mm-hmm. I'm almost signing a deal with another bakery franchise. Okay. Okay. So the spirit said, "Don't just see what nothing bunch cakes has to say." Mm-hmm. I emailed them. She replied back. I told her what was happening about me with this other franchise. She said, "Wait, don't you do it, Charlie? Hear me out." <laughs> and I heard her out, and I. The rest is history. You know, I canceled the deal with the other bakery franchise mm-hmm. and went with nothing but cakes. So, um, so why? I, I just off air. Why are black women the fastest growing segment in entrepreneurship? Why are black women? From what I see and all the amazing black women that I know, I think our mothers have a lot to do with that. I know mm-hmm. my mother. Um, you know, she pushed her girls to be what she was not able to accomplish mm-hmm. you know so it was just having that fierce you know that you know amazing black role model of a mother to say you need to travel you need to go to college you need to be better than me you need to do better than me you mm-hmm. know the school is your number one priority um that just 
pushed me to continue to see myself out of North Philly. You know, um, a lot of my friends didn't never been out of North Philly, so mm-hmm. they couldn't see themselves living outside of North Philly, let alone, you know, having a, a business or going to college. So okay, cool. I think our mothers are the backbones of to while we're so successful and we're very passionate women. Well, I grew up with six of them. Yeah. Six of them. <laughs> so I know about the female passion. Yes. When we come back, we're going to find out how big her bakery is. <laughs> yeah, the pros and cons of franchising, uh, what to consider before franchising. As she said, you know, she's about to sign another lo- franchise location bakery. And then she sat down with the nothing but cake individuals. And they said, hey, we're the one. Mm-hmm. And she's not looked back. we right back with more Charlie Shabazz. Charlie, you got another phone call. Uh, is it Tehran? Uh, is it Tehran? Taron? Is it Taron? Taron. Taron. Like uh, the capital. Right. Okay. I, I appreciate you, my friend. And I apologize because my name is Rashawn. You'd think I would get everybody's <laughs> name right, and I apologize. You know, I, I, I apologize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I say the same thing when I get someone else's name wrong. <laughs> well, well, one uh, name I can't get wrong is Charlie. It's Charlie. And Charlie's on the show with me, and we're talking about franchising. Uh, what's your question today that you might want to ask me or her? Well, uh, I just wanted to, uh, you know, give give y'all props. Um, I, I listen to WCLK uh, often, and um, I just was listening in on the conversation, and I uh, just wanted to say, you know, thank y'all for just supporting uh, black-owned businesses as well as, uh, you know, small businesses and on the whole, but um, black-owned is definitely um uh, Oh, thank uh, you, Tehran. Yeah, 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 no doubt. And what is your name? I'm sorry. I, I you know, I, I really appreciate Tehran because of the fact that you know when you when you try to talk to people, there's fear, mm-hmm. and that you know, especially when you're offering advice, is like, what's the, what's the scam? Because black people mm-hmm. have a natural, you know, scam radar. You know, mm-hmm. there, there's another agenda here. Mm-hmm. The agenda here is just providing information. That's mm-hmm. all. And, and and basically what we're having is just a conversation. And we, we as uh, allowing you to listen in on our conversation that we might have in a restaurant, that we might have, you know, walking down the street. And these questions, like Victoria was so excited to hear you call in and, and say, I really appreciate this conversation. It's what we want to hear. That's the conversation we want to create. And the thing I loved about Charlie's conversation was, she was just a business-minded person that got into this, and that's what stopped so many people. You didn't have to be a baker. You just had to have the passion mm-hmm. and the ability to work hard mm-hmm. to achieve your success as a franchisee. Mm-hmm. That's what excites me about the conversation. What are your thoughts? Absolutely. Well, uh, you know, the journey. The journey, uh, sometimes, you know, in the beginning is, is the shaky road, you know, and um, it, it, it takes, you know, it takes that vision to be um, ignited. And like you said, you know, fear is, is that thing that stops most people's ideas and visions and goals because they don't really know what they're stepping into. Mm-hmm. And um, as I was hearing her story and uh, stories before hers, um, you know, I, I definitely related. And, uh, I, you know, again, um, I just, you know, I just appreciated just hearing everyone's uh, journey uh, to where they are now. And, um, and I know that, you know, in, in the future, I know I'm quite sure there's, you know, there's a long-term goals, you know, there's, there's, you know, other goals that, yeah, but, but as far as uh, what I've heard, you know, I definitely, um, 
related to. So. Well, thank, thank you, my you. friend. I thank appreciate you. Because she has a little announcement to tell us. And thank you for calling <laughs> on the show here. Money making conversation. Now, you telling me off air, he was talking about long-term goal, short-term goal. <laughs> now, short-term goal was just to get a, a place open. Right. In a bakery with a name on it that was reputable. Right. Now, you told me off air what else is about to happen in your life as an entrepreneur, as a franchisee? Well, you know, Rashawn, <laughs> I let my CPA license lapse. And so I said, you know what? Accounting, that's not my thing anymore. This is my thing now. Mm-hmm. So now how can I transition to this to legacy? Mm-hmm. To open another one. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, thank God I just got my approval a couple of weeks ago. I was nervous. I was like, oh, I hope I can announce on the show. But it was a true blessing and a lot of hard work. You know, I definitely deserve it. Mm-hmm. Um, Tucker is four and a half years old now. Mm-hmm. So, I kind of worked through the kinks mm-hmm. of being a, a, a small business entrepreneur to, you know, now be confident to open another one. Now, what, what's the timeline of being on that opening? So the territory is central Atlanta. Hey, Atlanta, we coming. <laughs> um, you know, it was like, I mean, where is it in Atlanta? You know, so Tucker was the closest location to the city of Atlanta. So mm-hmm. our second baby will be in the city. We're going to cover everything from North Druid Hills to downtown. Okay. So we got Atlanta covered. Love it. Yeah. Well, you got another, you got your third phone call. Awesome. Doing this Thomas, how you doing, Thomas? Hi, Thomas. Uh, Charlie's here, along with Rashad McDonald. Uh, what's your question? I just want to say good evening to both of you. I'm an avid listener. Good evening. I just want to commend Charlie <laughs> and the sister before with CPR uh, just for all that you're doing. Thank you. Uh, me being a, a business owner myself, a new, a, a fairly new business owner, uh, the, the want that you talked about uh, Charlie, the pivot, you know, given you have an accounting background, doing something totally unrelated to what you were doing. And, and the thing that I find to be true, and you sound of a similar nature, but God. Yes. I, I, I commend you, commend you, commend you. I love Rashawn for this platform, giving others to come on Amen. here. Thank to you. Learn, inquire, share, continue to build and uplift each other. And like Rashawn talked about earlier, that fear. I, too, know I've wrestled with it for years, but by the grace of God, last year I pushed through myself. So uh, I can go on and on, but I won't. I'll just keep it short, but I just want to commend you. I'm going to make – I, I eat it nothing, nothing but cakes. Um, every now and again, I was first introduced to it about three years ago at a corporate function, and I do make it a point to go there. Now that I know that you have a location in Tucker, I'm going to make it a point specifically <laughs> – to come to see your location. Thank you, Thomas. And congratulations and I, I to you, you as I, well. Thank you. I just wish you well and much success on your current store as well as your new endeavors you're about to embark upon. Thank you. I appreciate you so much. Thank you so much. Well, uh, you know, this is the um, Charlie Shabazz show. And, uh, <laughs> she's my co-host on Money Making Conversation Masterclass. And uh, Charlie, uh, um, uh, the second location. Yes. So just working through the LOI and, you know, for those of you who are thinking about owning a business, having a brick and mortar, an actual storefront, an LOI is a lease of intent. So before you have a lease for a space, you negotiate kind of like the upfront, how much am I going to pay per square foot? 
how much is this? How much is that? How long will the lease term be? Mm-hmm. What do you cover? What do I cover? You know, so. What's the build out? What are they going to pay in the build Exactly. Mm-hmm. So we got really lucky with Tucker because it was a brand new construction, mm-hmm. brand new facility, brand new plaza, mm-hmm. brand new space. The timing was right because the unit was not built out yet. Mm-hmm. So we were able to work with my contractors and my landlord and mm-hmm. do everything one time you know a lot of times you're working with a structure mm-hmm. and you know your your architect says no the sink should be up over here so right. now you got to <laughs> dig up the cement move the pipes you know so we were able to save a lot of money just by working together from the very beginning and getting mm-hmm. everything built out the way that it was required so I was I don't think that's I know that's not going to be the case for the second <laughs> one it's a existing structure for the space that I, I would like to hopefully um, move into. Mm-hmm. It's off of Moreland. It's a really crazy busy plaza, but I think nothing but cakes can hold our own. Now you, uh, now, you delivered to my office. I did. Now, how are you going to do that? Because you like that personal touch. You like to be on the front I, line of meeting your customers well, and things like that. you know, and I still will. I just won't be able to do all of them. Right. You mm-hmm. know, um, you, I, I absolutely need a full team to help me be completely successful. I think I am best at building relationships, marketing. That's my new job. I'm out the DeKalb Chambers of Commerce. I'm a member there. I'm a member of my Tucker Business Association. I'm out planting the seeds, you know, so when they start to grow, the business can grow. Um, And you just got to know what what you're good at and what you're not good at. I've met other business owners who are not people people, you know, so they hire other people to do that for right. them. Mm-hmm. This but that's is not a, you. This that's is not, not you. It's a gift. You. It's a gift, and I'm thankful for it. And I'm, I'm thankful to be in the position to be able to build those relationships. Because a lot of times businesses come to communities and they take, take, take from the community, mm-hmm. and they don't give back to the community. So it's very important to me to um, give back to the community that I live in. I'm still a resident of Tucker. Well, the, the beauty of our conference, first of all, finally got you in here. <laughs> you are amazing. <laughs> Not only amazing, just your story is just special. Thank you. And it, it fits so many things that I talk about every week. And uh, the fact that you're opening another location and, yeah. and the fact that you're not a trained baker, Mm-mm. the fact that you just saw an opportunity, did your research, and that's why, and then overcame the fear of people going, you don't do that. Mm-hmm. Why, are you, why are you doing mm-hmm. something you don't do? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what this show, Money Making Money, Money Making Master, Money Making Conversation Masterclass is all about. And I want to thank you for coming on the show. You're welcome. And thank you for the snacks, Absolutely. too. You know, Absolutely. We're going to take a picture and the, together and uh, <laughs> put it on social media before we eat it, though. <laughs> uh, we we'll see you next week. This is Rashad McDonald. I am the host of Money Making Conversation Masterclass. And thank you, Charlie. You're welcome. Thank you. You've been listening to Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rashawn McDonald. He will be back next Tuesday at 6 p.m. Always remember to lead with your gifts. Money Making Conversations Masterclass is a presentation of 3815 Media Incorporated. You are now tuned into the Money Making Conversations Minute of Inspiration with Rashawn McDonald. Hi, I'm Rashawn McDonald for Money Making Conversation Masterclass with your daily Minute of Inspiration. I sat down with the one and only legend, Miss Patty, Patty LaBelle singer, actress, cookbook author, and brand, who shared what drives her energy to give, do charity, and what explains her joy. I guess it's because of my mom and dad. They were both loving people, outgoing, fed the neighborhood, and just made people feel like they wanted to smile instead of frowning. Mm -hmm. And with me, I I noticed, you know, since I've been performing for 56 years, that Mm -hmm. 
I've touched so many people just when I hug them. Right. You know, or when I smile or say something positive to them. It don't cost you nothing to be a lifter of people. Right. And it's natural for me. It's natural. You can listen to this full interview with Miss Patty LaBelle. It's available on MoneyMakingConversations.com.